Hey everybody, this is Atkins. And this is Adam. And we're here to bring you another episode of the Almighty Podcast produced by the Back Patio Network. We have got an excellent episode in store for everybody. We're bringing in two hot, fresh episodes of My Hero Academia Season 5, Episodes 105 and 106. Why don't we just go ahead and dive straight into 105? What do you think, man? We can. Uh, These two episodes of the anime cover... Uh, a smaller number of chapters than than typically um, we see in a in a two episode stretch. So if you're reading along in the manga, you'll read basically the last page of chapter two forty eight, and then you'll read the entirety of two forty nine through two fifty two. And wow. episode one hundred five is titled "The Hellish Todoroki Family." So they adapted like one page of the volume. Did you? Was the rest of it unreadable? Like spoiler heavy? No, it was more like. The last page of 248 was Fuyumi's call to Endeavor, inviting them to dinner. And then all of 249 is basically the entirety of episode 105. And then uh, 250 through 252 comprise uh, the goings-on in in 106. So there was discussion in the Discord about how strange that it was that they were only adapting one chapter of the manga for episode 105. Um, But... I think that Omega and maybe Queen Jess were talking about how it made some sense as far as pacing is concerned, f- specifically for 106. Yeah, that makes sense. I can see how like they're starting to chop things up from the manga, it sounds like, and putting it together in maybe a more episodic format for the anime, it seems like, just to kind of complete the arcs, I guess. Yeah, and if I remember correctly, what we'll end up doing is like after this stuff wraps, then the My Villain Academia stuff will begin. And so like here we're leaving off chapter 252, I think we're going to have to go backwards in chapters to cover some of that My Villain stuff. Ooh. And then we're going to skip back up to 253 and onwards at some point. Um, possibly not this season. Maybe the My Villain Academia stuff rounds out season five. Oh, I hope um, not. Like, I, so, I keep seeing MVA be brought up in the Discord, and I've not wanted to look it up, but not wanted to ask a little sheepishly, you know? And, and you saying My Villain Academia, I'm like, okay, that's what they're talking about. That sounds cool. Right, right. Yeah, it's it's content that everybody's really excited about, too. So um, they were a little frustrated that they didn't get it in the order that it was presented in the manga. But, you know, I'm sure that this was a decision that's probably somewhat tied to the movie, uh, because the movie does take place kind of, I think, after the Endeavor Agency arc stuff, for sure. And so maybe they wanted to get that stuff out of the way before the movie premiered, because it's supposed to come out, like, next week in Japan. Uh, and then... It probably will come to the U.S. a month or so after that, after the um, the dub is done. That makes sense. That makes sense. Well, enough about all the craziness between the manga and the anime. Let's talk about the hellish Todoroki family. Uh, we start this episode off, basically, a week has passed into the work studies, and these kids have been doing everything they can to keep up with Endeavor, but they're, they're not, I don't want to say they're not progressing, they're just not beating him yet. They're not getting, you know, I think I put in my notes, beating him to the punch. Uh, which is a little tongue-in-cheek, I suppose. Uh, but there's even an instance in the very beginning of this episode where they see the villain first. They see things going sideways, and Endeavor still beats them to it. Like, he's able to get in, and I think it's a guy, like, stealing another guy's briefcase, and he just, like, clotheslines him and takes the briefcase, hands it back over. And the guys are like, oh, man, we even saw that one first. How did he beat us? So they're still uh, they're still practicing. They're still plan- trying to play catch-up. Yeah, there's a couple things that I noticed, too, in this particular scene. Um, one of them being that I think that the artists are a little... There's like a weird inconsistency with with Todoroki's ice, the way that he travels. Uh, like, oftentimes he's depicted 
where the ice kind of travels with him. Like it, he doesn't leave this long trail. How annoying would that be? Um, to just not have just from ice like, everywhere. <laughs> yeah. But it, at other times, it's basically explained, unless we do something about this ice, then it is going to remain here. So it's a weird, I, I, from an animation standpoint, I get it. Um, but it was just something I noticed a lot in these two episodes. There are times where it, the way that it's animated, it seems like he is leaving this trail. And then other times, the way that it's animated is he's on this ice island that basically is sliding across the ground. <laughs> hey, maybe that's strange. part of his uh, practice. He's like learning to melt the ice as he, uh, as you he know, goes. rolls along. That's part of like focusing on that other side, you know? That may be. Um, I also thought, too, that uh, from a stamina standpoint, Deku suffers the most out of the three of these guys as far as like transportation goes or, or movement goes. Because Todoroki and Bakugo are just propelling themselves, you know, using their quirk, which does deplete stamina, to be fair. But Deku is engaging his quirk and also having to run. All three of them are out of breath, but it feels like Deku draws the short end of the stick when it comes to having to, you know, carry yourself and move yourself around the city like they're doing. That's a good point. I guess I hadn't considered it that way. I, I guess I assumed that his quirk was propelling him forward, too, like to some extent, at least. But yeah, I can see what you're saying, because he is in contact with the ground. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, he's having to he is still participating in what is, for all intents and purposes, a run. Right. It's just a an enhanced run. The other two, you know, Bakugo doesn't even touch the ground. He's just allowing his explosions to propel him. And Todoroki is sliding across, you know, the, the random surfaces up and down buildings and whatnot with his ice. It just, I don't know, it's, I was like, man, it feels like Deku would be the, mo the more tired of the three uh, at the end of a, you know, a, a run from one accident or incident to the next. And to your point, I've always kind of thought, like, at least when I watch these two episodes, um, it seems like Deku is the last one on the scene. Like, there's a scene later on where Bakugo talks about how he's always closest. Like, he's the one that's closest to Endeavor. Uh, but now that you say that, I think that's kind of like a unnoted mental thing I, I noticed. Was just like, huh, Deku's kind of the last one on the scene. Even if it's just, you know, a split second, he's still kind of the last one there. Uh, but regardless, at the end of this patrol scene, uh, Endeavor tells them, like, hey, you guys need to go rest up at the agency. we got another long day tomorrow. You can't let your fatigue catch up to you. We, we've got to get you guys rested. And they're like, well, what about you? And he's like, ah, oh, nah, I'm going to go patrol some more. And I mean, this guy, he's got to be up. I would guess Endeavor has to be working like 18-hour shifts, it seems like. I think that he's definitely feeling a, a certain burden of uh, performance, you know, for, for being out in the public. And he's trying to live into this number one hero thing. I also think that there's a, there's something to be said that maybe he's there was a time in the past where he was using his work to be, it was his entire focus. And now it's part of what maybe he's looking to as a distraction from some of the things that he's really wrestling with. It's, it's be, become almost like his comfort zone. So when he wants to think or not think, then he goes and, and kind of engages in patrols and does what comes most naturally instead of having to wrestle internally with so much of what has come his way recently, especially with some of this family stuff, but also stepping into the void left by All Might and the questions that he himself had for All Might as to how it is that he's supposed to operate as a number one hero. There's just a lot wrapped up in the package that is Endeavor right now. Yeah, you're totally right. And not, not only that, but like once he gets back to the agency, we see him mulling over the whole Meta Liberation Army message from Hawks. I mean, he's going back over that in his head. So he's probably also... 
don't want to say second guessing himself, but at least sitting there like ruminating on this idea that he has to train these kids up in case they do fail. And not only that, but did he even interpret Hawks's message correctly? He he doesn't know. I mean, he is is assuming that Hawks is sending a warning, and I think he assumes correctly, obviously, but but he doesn't know that for sure. He's not been able to contact Hawks. So there's just a, a lot going on in this poor guy's mind. Uh, and as he's mulling over all that stuff, he does get a call from Fuyumi, who is like, hey, Dad, I heard you were training Shoto. Like, it'd be really cool if you guys all came down and, and we had a big family dinner. I'd love to meet his friends. You know, the school's about to start back up for them, so we're not going to be able to see him in a while. And family's really important to her, and she really wants to try to make this work. And she she knows that there's a lot of past issues and a lot of baggage there, but she's, like, almost begging him, like, please, you know, bring Shoto. Let's, let's do something together. Yeah, and he starts recounting to us this dream. He starts wondering about what it is that he can do for his family after all this time. And he says, every night I have the same dream of my wife Ray and the children having fun around this dinner table. And he says this, I love this line. This is such cool phrasing. He says, savoring those small happinesses. I don't know why, but I super loved that pairing of words a lot. Small happinesses is a cool way of phrasing that. But he says, I'm never at the dinner table. And he says, I know the reason why so well it hurts. And we get treated to a, a a cut scene of flashback. I think it's even in like grayscale of the spilled tea kettle. And uh, another one of him standing over a, a doubled over Todoroki with Ray saying he's only five and Endeavor saying, well, he's already five. Um, and you get this strange uh, confrontation between them where one is saying he's a child and the other one saying it's time for him to be a tool. And then I couldn't tell in the anime. It's really hard to tell because there's a smacking sound effect, but it also is animated in such a way that it looks like he kind of grabs her wrists and slings her away. Yeah, or like Um, shoves her away, but there's definitely a smacking sound effect. Yeah. And then there's this crazy scene of Rei's eyes um, as she turns toward Todoroki, pre-scarred Todoroki, but not for very long um, because she has the kettle in her hands in the scene. And her eyes look like something out of a Junji Ito manga, like that crazy horror mangaka, yeah. like so freaking scary and, sh- and like vividly drawn. Um, it was jarring to see that in there. And then we're treated to Todoroki saying that it was his fault um, to endeavor to his dad. It's it's his fault. You're the one who made mom uh, and, and do all that, do all this. And he says, is is that all you can say? You bastard. I'll win with only mom's power. You know, he's he's really thinking a lot about his family in the midst of this phone call. And if it happens in real time, what an awkward it's an awkwardly long silence. Like that? <laughs> there Daddy are a couple there? of yeah. There are a couple of uh, moments in these two episodes where it's just like awkward silence. Oh, Somebody yeah. fill it. <laughs> and, and you know, whenever we in my notes, I just have all the flashbacks here. Uh, but whenever we get all these flashbacks, there's that scene we've seen it. I mean, at least probably thirty times now. It feels like where. Uh, Natsuo and Fuyumi are playing out in the yard with what appears to maybe be like a grandmother or a caretaker of some kind, and and Endeavor is pulling Shoto away and saying, you're from a different world than them. And they're playing with this kid whose face is turned away from us. He has red hair, uh, and in this episode, they bring up Toya again, and they bring him up again in the next episode, and we've heard that name before. We know this is the uh, Endeavor child, or the, the Todoroki child that has been killed We don't know. I mean, they won't tell us. It's like they beat around the bush a whole bunch. But I'm wondering if if that is supposed to be him. And in this scene, he's got red hair. But then in the other scenes we've seen of him, wow, that sounds weird, scenes of scenes, 
but he's got white hair, so I don't know, but any indication from you if that's maybe Toya or not? Because we know whatever happened to him happened right after the incident with Shoto and Ray. Yeah, um, I don't know. I did have in my notes that there are three little Rokies down there playing. Um, and, th- and that and child the, is smaller sh- than Natsuo as well, and apparently Toya is older than Natsuo, so I would assume that he would be bigger, but I don't know. Yeah. And we know that in the shrine that Endeavor sits at, uh, maybe at the end of this episode, um, that Toya does have white hair. Yeah, so I don't know. I'm just curious that we've seen that scene enough that I uh, I hadn't picked up on the fact that that might have been him. Um, so now I'm just kind of kind of wandering down that kind of uh, path, I guess you could say. But after he kind of talks with Fuyumi and I assume tells her yes, uh, he gets an emergency call and he like heads out. All sidekicks, all sidekicks on the go. We got to get out of here. Yeah, and man, there was so much ahead, like flying through his mind during all that too. And it's a lot of stuff that we've seen before, and it's a consequence of taking one manga chapter and turning it into an entire anime episode. Is what you end up having to do is fill all that empty airtime that would have been consumed by two to three other chapters of manga stuff. Is you start pulling stuff forward from other episodes. So a lot of the last time the Todorokis got together for dinner. Um, scenes from there that we've covered before in previous episodes of ours. Um, and also the flashback of Endeavor sitting with All Might and asking him what it means to be number one. And uh, and then, yeah, he's kind of brought out of this by this emergency signal. Uh, presumably he's he's at least at that point, I don't know that we've know for sure that he's told Fuyumi that they're definitely coming, but he makes up his mind at some point and lets her know that they're on their way anyway. Yeah. You know, I, I feel like with the amount of flashbacks that we have in this episode, I realize that they're context clues. They help you understand what he's thinking and what he's going through. But I feel like a lot of that could have been assumed and these two episodes could have been one. That's my opinion. Uh, I feel like the next episode could have been combined into this one. Like there was a lot of fluff in these two, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree. I mean, it, it is stuff that we've seen before, but there are there is some merit and value to bringing something back to the forefront of your mind as a piece of context to something that's ongoing. And I think that that's what a lot of this served as. Um, just again, getting you into Endeavor's headspace in the midst of all this, because Endeavor does not do a lot of talking in either of these episodes, but they're Endeavor episodes. Yeah, he's the focal point uh, for sure. Yeah, and so we we have to, in order to understand what he's going through and how it is that he's developing and and how it is that we can see his development, we need some of this background context of his just where his mind is. And so I, I was a little less annoyed by seeing things that we've seen two dozen times before in this because I thought that this was one of those times where I was like, oh, this context is really important. Um, That's true. And so I was good with it. It gets us in his mindset, which is really important because otherwise I feel like if we didn't have that, these episodes wouldn't have been as emotional as they are. Uh, But regardless, they wake up the next morning. I mean, this was like a total transition scene, like, Hey, emergency, let's all go. And then we cut one of those mid breaks. We get some info, uh, info. We get some information about a hero or a villain, wake up the next morning and it's burning. Who is like stretching. She's getting ready for the day. Bakugo's complaining it's too early. He's not had his coffee yet. His hair is like pulled back because of his mask. It looked really funny to me. Um, yeah. And uh, this is when they're actually talking about how close they were and how they're getting closer to catching Endeavor. And Vernon is noticing that like these kids are beat up. I mean, their gears beat up. They look exhausted. Like she can tell that it's been a long week. And I think she's 
about to start trying to like kind of motivate them, get them into gear. But Shoto appears and is like, hey, we're really close. Like today is going to be the day. And she realizes like, I don't have to motivate these kids. They're doing it themselves. It's pretty cool. Yeah, she's very perceptive. She these three individuals and and Endeavor notices this um, a little later on as well. If he hasn't already, I think he verbally confirms it or actually he doesn't even speak it out loud. I think it's something that he thinks that Hawks has a really good eye, you know, talking about um, these three young men and their motivations, their efforts at uh, becoming better and better heroes, better and better masters at their quirks. Uh, so there's some recognition uh, and respect there. Um, but it's really funny. Part of this conversation, too, is Todoroki's trying to explain. He says, I can't get to max output to release in an instant without taking some time uh, to, to build this stuff up. And Bakugo, of course, says, well, you should be just be storing this stuff up. And I was like, you know, Todoroki's and even Bakugo or Deku's quirks aren't like sweat that you can just pool around in your gauntlets. You know, they can't. That Bakugo's the way that he described that. I was like, that works for you. Like your equipment allows you to do that. But I don't know that that's the same for especially Todoroki. Yeah, um, I was so really. It, it wasn't the best advice ever. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, I, th- I had the same thought, and I was really hoping that Deku or Todoroki would just be like, "Yeah, you know, maybe you should start the day warm," because he keeps complaining yeah. about it being cold out. Like, I mean, this isn't something they can. I don't want to say they can't practice that, but it's not like his quirk where his sweat building up causes him to have that on the ready. You know. Um, so right. yeah, I agree. Uh, but they go out for another day of saving the town, and it's actually pretty neat because, like, right off the bat, I mean, Endeavor's, like, saving. There's a lot of havoc being wreaked upon this town that they're in every day, it seems like. I mean, he saves some, like, window washers from falling and, and dying, and he, it seems like there's, like, a burning building or, like, a train wreck or something. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know what was going on in that one. I have in my notes... He's either rescuing people from a fire or just rescuing people whilst setting things on fire, yeah. incidentally, yeah. <laughs> because he's just a man that is on fire. And there's a gun robbery. <laughs> like, I don't know. I, I'm just surprised that like this seemed like it was maybe they went out and started at 6 a.m. And by 630, they had already done all this stuff, you know, so it just seems like they've got very busy days. Um, it seems like the the dumbest criminals are hanging out where Endeavor is because this dude is now the number one hero. He was the scary number two to begin with, but they're like, you know what? I'm going to go stir up some trouble where that guy's office is. That seems incredibly dumb. Well, and that's kind of what I mean. Like how is the whole town not locked up at this point? (laughs) You know, like there's no way that there's got to, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it seems like with all might, there weren't this many people just wanting to, to, you know, I'm going to say ne'er do wells, right? Like, ah, I, I would not want to be a uh, small, petty thief in, in the town that is patrolled by Endeavor, that's for sure. Yeah, there's this scene now, too, where he's like, you need to learn to stop an event before it happens. Don't just watch people look at everything, and it's not easy to pick up. It takes some time to surpass yourselves, and maintaining the status quo is going backwards, which I really liked, because in one of our very early episodes, I talked about how I had read a series of essays on heroes that talked about how heroes often just defend the status quo. They don't actually improve things. Yeah. But Endeavor's like, no, that's not good enough. But on this scene, they're all like standing on this rooftop, looking down over all these people. And all it would take is an upward glance to be like, well, I was going to rob that bank, but not with <laughs> that guy standing there looking right at me. You know, right. like, <laughs> it it's, seems like that's a really good deterrent. Yeah, I would think so, too. I mean, they're literally up there like Batman. It's just not dark They're, I mean, and he's basically a massive signal like he's got flames constantly right. coming out. Of, I don't know. It's crazy. 
Uh, but end of the day, the boys are like absolutely beat. They are exhausted and they're bummed because they still did not surpass Endeavor. And he's like standing off to the side looking at the city and he's thinking about doing dinner with Fuyumi and, and getting the family together. And he just turns around and goes, bam, let's go. And they're like, let's go. I mean, it was so strange. <laughs> they don't know where they're going to yet. No. <laughs> then there's a sharp cut to the in front of the Endeavor estates or the, the Todoroki estates, I guess. And um, this is great because, number one, this is a good time to talk about ties. I think we had talked about the way that Deku wears his tie before. But this scene has really got me thinking about the, the way that each of these three uh, young men wear their ties. So Bakugo, in this scene at least, doesn't wear one at all. In fact, his shirt's not even buttoned all the way. Yeah, he's a little then, rough looking. Yeah, Todoroki's tie is absolutely p- perfect. It's immaculate. It's the right length. It's tied well. But then there's Deku's tie. And we've talked about, again, his before because it's short and it's fat. And then I had the thought that it's because his dad wasn't around to teach him how to tie one. Oh, you know, I hadn't considered that. Yeah, maybe that is the case. So maybe that's why his tie is not very well tied, even though, I mean, he knows YouTube exists. He watched hours of the same All Might clip. I'm sure he could have been like, how to tie tie and figured it out. (laughs) Um, Uh, Yeah. But yeah, it struck me that maybe that's a good reason why his tie is not tied very well. Um, But Bakugo is, he's asking why they're there. And Todoroki's like, well, Fuyumi wanted to meet my friends. And Bakugo's, Bakugo's like, all right, well, tell her we're not friends. Problem yeah. solved. Like, she do, he demands like, it, too. He's like, you go in yeah. there and tell her right now we are not friends. <laughs> it's so great the way that he says it, too. It's just like, well, go in there and tell her we're not actually friends. Yeah. And uh, we, we basically, like, smash cut to dinner where Fuyumi's sitting there, Natsu's sitting there, uh, and so are the guys, and Endeavor is at the head of the table, and... We learned that Fuyumi is an elementary school teacher. I don't know if we knew that before or not, uh, but then Natsu is in college, and it had me wondering, with the two of them sitting there, what their quirks are, because it's not been mentioned that they are quirkless, and if they're a teacher, or if she's a teacher, and he's just in college, like I assume it's normal college, not some sort of a hero course, which makes sense. I can't imagine what we know of Natsu, him wanting to follow in his dad's footsteps or anything, but... I'm just surprised that we haven't seen any evidence of what their quirk could be. Are they ice-related? Are they fire-related? I mean, clearly they weren't good enough for Endeavor, so do they have maybe a silly quirk? You know, I'm just curious. Yeah, the I mean, the odds are that at least one of them probably has some sort of quirk, but I don't recall ever them saying what it is. I will say that my favorite part about this scene so far up to this point is that uh, they're they're doing this reintrodu- reintroduction thing, which is a very Bones thing to do. Studio Bones is the folks that animate this. They love doing the, hey, you might have forgotten who these people are thing. Um, so insanely. they reintroduce everyone all over again. Um, and then Deku and Todoroki are both very formal in their introductions of themselves. Um, and then they thank uh, Fuyumi for the food. But Bakugo and Endeavor say literally nothing. Yeah, no introduction, <laughs> say nothing. say a word. <laughs> it cracked uh, up. Yeah, I mean, they, they don't really say anything until Bakugo gets pissed about Midoriya mumbling about his food, which is the very next thing that happens. Yeah, because they start digging in, and like the food is amazing looking. They did a great job animating the food, and Midoriya's loving it. He's just going into that analyzation mode. He's just trying to pick apart everything, and Bakugo's like, dude, don't analyze the food. You're literally ruining it for me, uh, which... 
I was kind of surprised because Bakugo is eating tofu, and for some reason, I just assumed Bakugo's personality strikes me as the kind of person that would be like, no, screw tofu, I'm eating real meat, you know? But it is specifically a very t- uh, a type of very spicy tofu, uh, like a very spicy tofu dish, which does strike sense. me as a Bakugo thing. Yeah, no, that definitely makes sense. And, and this, yeah, this episode, this anime turns into an episode of Food Wars, basically. Like, there's a good, like, 60 seconds where it's just food porn. <laughs> yeah, and the, we kind of get into some, like, weirdness here, too, because Natsu is thanking Fuyumi for cooking, and she says something like, well, you know, we've both cooked before, like, it's not a big deal, and Shoto says, like, oh, Natsu, have I had your cooking? Which seems like something he would know. I, I thought that was kind of a weird question to begin with, but Natsu replies back with, no, probably not, because I overseasoned my food, and Dad probably wouldn't let you eat it because it's not nutritious, basically. And it just gets that weird, awkward silence, awkward tension. Yeah, it's there's like this weird visual thing in the anime where the screen goes black and there are these like static lightning bolts that flash across everybody because everybody knows that what was just said was awkward and and passive aggressive but yeah. only barely so because he's looking straight at endeavor and cuts his eyes at him when he says it right but uh, endeavor owns it this time he's like yeah i guess i didn't realize and then a couple minutes go by and he says next time natsu cooks i want to eat your food like i mean he's trying he's trying in the endeavor way but i think that kind of bothers Natsu even more and he's like all right I'm leaving. I can't do this. He's like, thanks, sis. I appreciate it. You know, you're you're trying really hard and it means a lot to me, but I just can't do this. And he gets up and begins to leave. So having talked about food, now that we're both hungry, I wanted to do, uh, you know, every episode we have a fun segment at the end. I want to break it up in the middle for a second on this episode. Uh, I want to talk about food and anime. Like it is is a huge thing. I mean, it, think about Naruto and ramen. Like, you see it in almost every other episode, it feels like. And in, even in this show, we've seen food a handful of times. I think this is the first time we've seen this extravagant meal quite like this, where it's just drawn to another degree. But it is a huge thing in anime, and I love it. Every time it pops up, I'm like, oh my god, that looks so good. Uh, so I'm curious, have you watched an anime where the food just really stood out to you and you were just like, I, I have to try that or I have to make that or, or get like the real in-life equivalent of? So it's interesting that you mentioned Naruto because um, I watched all that and every time he has ramen, I'm like, dang, I wish there was a good ramen shop around here because right. um, it, it does look delicious. And it's not even drawn like as nearly as well as the food in this episode is or an episode of Food Wars. And it's strange that I haven't jumped into an anime like Food Wars because I stinking love watching things like Iron Chef or people on YouTube sampling pho and, uh, you know, in in Vietnam or ramen in Japan and, and making sushi from live ingredients. Like, I love watching cooking stuff. Never have I once watched any of these cooking animes. Really? I've only seen, like, clips of Food Wars, and it was like you know, very stylized cooking and then orgasms uh, <laughs> is what it, st- what it struck me as. And T.W. Sang in the Discord said that, he said, I'll also note Food Wars is done by a former porn comic artist. <laughs> and he's like, it's quite obvious. Yeah. <laughs> I did not know that, but it does make all of the sense. I've not, so, I've not checked out Food Wars, but that's one that I, I want to just because of the food alone. 
apparently there's like four or five seasons of that. So there's a lot of content to catch up on, which is exciting. Um, but yeah, not, not, not really outside of like ramen and Naruto or T-Rex tail steaks from Dragon Ball, where I was like, <laughs> you know what? I might want to get in on some of that. Sometimes those Dragon Ball feasts where they're like just going to town on like bowls of rice and like fried rice and all that different stuff. I used to, as a kid, I was like, all right, this like, I got to go to a buffet, you know? Uh, my favorite of all time, though, is probably uh, Spirited Away, or, or really anything Studio Ghibli. Like, if you watch Studio Ghibli anything, there's always a food scene, it seems like. And they just draw food in such a way that, like, my mouth just starts watering. I gotta have something to eat. Um, I actually spent, like, the whole pandemic, like, the whole last year and a half learning how to cook ramen. So I've come up with, like, three or four different recipes. I can get all the stuff locally. I source it all locally. In fact, for Christmas, or I think, uh, or my birthday one, you got me a ramen book, and I've followed several of those recipes, and, like, it's become a huge hobby of mine. I, I love making ramen, and so once a month, I'll go out and get everything needed to make a huge batch of ramen. I make my own noodles. I do the whole nine yards. It's a blast. So... I encourage everyone out there, if you've seen something in an anime, go give it a shot. Look up YouTube or something. Find, find out how to make it. And uh, I'm curious. Tweet us. Let us know what you make. What kind of foods do you love? Uh, especially ones that you see in anime all the time. And I'm hoping our Discord folks will pick up on this and talk a little bit about it themselves. Yeah. it's uh, And listeners, don't tell Adam this. But uh, I did to Adam the same thing that I did to my mom when she was living with me as, as my parents were in between houses this last year was that I bought her a, a cooking device because I knew that she would use it to make food for me. <laughs> and so I bought Adam a ramen cookbook because it's like, eventually I will go up there and he will make me ramen. Oh, yes. So it's, it's, it's a mutually beneficial arrangement. Ramen and our gold leaf tea. That's right. <laughs> yeah, we're going we're gonna to do it. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to get there eventually. We're going to hunt some down. So anyways, after our food talk, now that everybody needs a snack, let's get back into My Hero. Um, <laughs> so... After Natsu leaves, uh, and, and I say Natsu because that's what they refer to him. I think that's kind of a nickname. I've seen Endeavor call him Natsuo, so feel free to tell me I'm saying it wrong. It sounds like there are people that are not happy with the way we pronounce our names, which is awesome. <laughs> it, well, it was, okay, to be clear, that was one person in, an, in a one-star iTunes review who clearly didn't make it far enough in the podcast to hear us say, we've never seen this show, we don't watch much anime, it's a feature, not a bug. <laughs> <laughs> just left us this scathing one star review. I love it because we said Katsuki, and I was like, we don't even call Katsuki. Uh, we don't even call Bakugo Katsuki or Katsuki anymore. Anyway, I only wish that that individual had emailed in and gotten an entry for the uh, the cards because if they won, <laughs> yeah. you know how much of a dick they would feel like. <laughs> or we would just say, we're sending you the Katsuki Bakugo. Oh um, yes, <laughs> yeah. Well, anyways, apparently. Um, when Todoroki was breaking down his family history to Deku, Bakugo was actually right around the corner. And this was all during the, uh, the big face-off between them. I always call it like the Olympics or something that's totally not right, but very close. The school... Yeah, the sports the fest. The sports fest. Thank you. You know, it's, it's not quite the Olympics. Um, but he was right around the corner. So he's kind of privy to the fact that like the Todoroki family's jacked up a little bit. And uh, Fuyumi is confiding in Shoto, saying that, like, you know, she doesn't necessarily always disagree with Natsu. Like, sometimes she understands where he's coming from and gets how he feels, but this is the time to mend things. Like, they kind of have an opportunity. They have a chance, and she really wants to take it. And she asks him, you know, what do you think about Dad? Like, how do you feel about him? And unfortunately, Bakugo and Midoriya are, like, right outside of where they're talking, 
So Shoto starts going into it and explaining that, you know, he sees the scar from his mother's actions really as a result of his father. And he blames that. Like, that scar is something he received from dad. That's how he sees it. And, you know, he's trying to forgive his mother, and, and he knows that she's working on healing and trying to get better, and that she's going to be released soon. And if things improve, she wants to try to live with them again. And he's like, you know, I just don't know how I feel about this. I don't, I don't know how to feel about dad. I mean, Endeavor, the hero, is awesome, but, but as a father, he lacks a lot. And uh, Bakiko, like, slams the door open and is just like, you should not do this. You, why are you discussing such sensitive stuff when there are guests over? Like, he's so awkward. He, and I feel like he just doesn't even want to hear anything about their troubles. You know, he was, didn't want to even be there to begin with. Yeah, he screams, if, if you're going to invite people over, don't talk about such sensitive subjects. There's still dishes to wash. He says, normally you'd think getting in, uh, uh, getting visited over, to, uh, getting invited rather over to dinner is a good thing. But he's like, your Szechuan Mapu tofu is ruined. And he's, he makes it sound like he knows what all the formalities are supposed to be like, but he's the least, in, he's the least formal person in this entire episode right? <laughs> with no tie and shirt unbuttoned and not saying Ichidakimasu or whatever the, you know, the uh, thanks for the food. And, you know, like he's being polite now and helping clean up but yeah he's basically like there's a protocol here and you're violating it and i was like dude you walk through the door breaking protocol if you're going for uh formality at a dinner um but deku you know goes into apology mode and he's like listen todoroki's kind of said some of this before um so we're not really eavesdropping but then he turns to todoroki and he says i think that you're getting ready so that you can forgive him. Because if you really hated your dad, then I think it would be fine for you not to, to be able to forgive him, but you're really kind. And so it looks to me like you're just, you're waiting and you're wanting to move into that place. And this strikes Todoroki as, uh, like the way that they illustrate his face is almost as like this is coming as a revelation of some kind to Todoroki. It was very shocked um, Pikachu. Yeah, yeah. So he says, Todoroki, I think you're getting yourself ready to be able to forgive him. And and Todoroki is either coming to that realization or maybe he's shocked that uh, Midoriya is, has that kind of piercing insight into his life based on what, what he's seeing in Todoroki. Um, but we also find out that both Natsu, uh, Natsuo and also Endeavor... Are, seem to be standing outside and eavesdropping in on all of this. Yeah. Um, but Deku says, I'm, I'm sure that's the phase that you're in right now, that you're moving towards this place where you're going to, you're, you're working towards forgiveness, just like Fuyumi, I think, is moving in that direction. Ray is, uh, Inji, you know, Endeavor himself is trying to move kind of in that direction a little bit. Todoroki seems to be doing that. And, uh, you know, Natsuo is going to come to this realization that he feels like he's the only one that maybe isn't. Uh, in the next episode, we transition over to Inji, who's at this shrine for his son Toya, and he's li- uh, lighting some um, incense. And he's—I don't want to say praying, but just kind of thinking about this whole situation. He's—he's he's kind of paying his respects to his son, and and he's talking about like what what can I do for my family? I mean, he's in this spot where he realizes that he's not really making up with his kids. Like he's trying, but it's not really working. And he doesn't know how to mend what he's broken. And he's very aware that like everything that's happened and where they are right now is absolutely his fault. I mean, I think he's he's at least owned that to himself. You know, like he realizes that he is at fault here. And he keeps he brings up that dream that he he keeps having again about his family 
being all at the dinner table and enjoying themselves and being a happy family. And he says he wishes that Toya could be there with them. And, you know, I noticed in this episode when he says Toya, there's this strange noise that happens in the background. Like it's somber music. But then when he says that kid's name, it's like almost like a uh, like a bow going across a violin or something. It's very sharp, very ominous. Yeah. And what a powerful this is you would talked about um, earlier that Toya's face seems to always be facing away from us in, in a lot of these flashbacks that we've seen multiple times but here we get a full-on uh you know frontal front on face shot of toya and he's got these striking blue eyes and you and i couldn't couldn't remember uh off air before we started recording if we had already tread this ground before if we had been spoiled on this before or if we figured this out at some other time on our own we definitely covered in long time ago in our um conspiracy theories episode that uh dobby was this missing todoroki child um and the more we learn about toya and the more we see dobby and you know we i think that we've this is that's a pretty much confirmed at this point um yeah, I mean, especially you know this little boy's got the same eyes and same hair even. i mean the the very similar looking yeah, and there's there's even that one line um you know i can't, can't remember exactly what it was but dobby said something very very telling to Endeavor um, at the end of the uh, high-end Nomu fight um, when he came, when he showed up at the very end of that scene. Um, I think it was the end of that fight. Last time Dobby saw Endeavor, he said something that we were like, oh. Um, but anyway, that was the, that's basically the end of episode 105. There's a little bit about this zebra-striped-looking man uh, in the post-credit scenes, but we'll jump all over that in episode 106, The Unforgiven. Yeah, we start this episode off kind of almost picking up where we left off with 105, where there's this after credit scene, this villain's being released from out of prison. He's stumbling through a shopping area, and he sees Endeavor on screen where he has fought off the Nomu, and this villain gets this like wild hair to go back after Endeavor. And so when we start 106, it's several years earlier, Endeavor has stopped off this villain, and it's actually not uh, the main villain of the episode as far as I could tell. But it's funny because he's questioning this police officer like they've got this villain in chains and he's locked up. They're dragging him away. And Endeavor's like, so you're probably thinking that if I was All Might, I would have caught him 30 minutes ago or 30 seconds ago or something. And the officer's like, no, no, not at all, sir. I mean, can you imagine <laughs> being the guy that had to tell Endeavor like, yeah, All Might would have done a better job. Yeah. Endeavor put that police <laughs> officer into an impossible position. Absolutely. In my notes, I just have Endeavor pretending to be a mind reader and instead only succeeding in being a salty, self-conscious idiot. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. And, and, and like the way they drew Endeavor, however many years ago this took place, is vastly different than what he looks like now. Like the flames on his body were so much bigger, like way, way bigger, it seemed like. He looked way more intimidating. And so I think it's almost some credence to Endeavor that maybe he's trying to soften his look a little bit. He's not trying to be as intimidating. He's trying to be more of a friendlier hero, you know what I mean? In his own yeah. weird, less flamey way. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting because the um the villain of the of this episode is kind of doing this voiceover work where he's talking about his first impressions, uh, calls him this blazing red flame, and he says, I saw you after you caught this thief named Takami. And I thought that name sounded familiar. I had ended up looking it up. It's because that's Hawks' last name. I don't think that there's any ties there, but Whatever this villain named Takami also shares the last name as Hawks. Uh, I don't think that that is going to matter at all, but that's that's why it was ringing bells. 
But he says, since that day, you've become my hope. Seven years ago, I missed my chance and you caught me alive. And he says, the sole thing a person gets to choose impartially is how his life ends. So he says, before I even ate after getting out of prison, I looked into your personal life. And he says, why? It's obvious. It's because I want you to end it. And he's standing in this alleyway and he's kind of staring down Natsuo, who is um, walking. uh, I guess he's left the dinner. He's on his way elsewhere. And uh, he's spotted by this villain who immediately jams, uh, you know, a trigger uh, cartridge into his neck. Which seems a little preemptive. I, I don't know. I, I felt like Trigger was kind of like a five, ten minute thing, but they make it seem like in this episode it might last a lot longer than that. Maybe it's a more advanced version. I don't know. That could yeah. be. Yeah. Uh, but we, we get back to Endeavor, NG, who is paying respects to Toya again, and we, we just see him as basically right where we left off with him. Uh, and it transitions over to Shoto and Fuyumi sitting down and talking to Bakugo and Deku about Toya. And she says something like, how come you've never mentioned this? And he says, I'm not just going to offer this up freely. You know, this is not something that I, I feel like maybe Shoto doesn't really know a whole lot about what happened. I mean, it's very possible that Endeavor, I don't want to use the word protected him from everything that happened, but it's likely he didn't let him in on whatever was going on. So maybe Shoto's that far removed that he doesn't really know enough to even talk about it. Uh, See, I get the I get the sense that even Endeavor isn't convinced on what exactly has happened. I don't know, because um, they beat around the bush so much, they don't really tell us anything. And throughout this episode, Endeavor does eventually say that I might as well have been the one that killed Toya. So yeah. it sounds like they believe him to be dead. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. And maybe Endeavor thinks that it possibly could have been his fault or... For all intents and purposes, it was his fault that you're right. They're very ambiguous about the way that they're describing things. I think Natsuo even at one point says, you know, Toya told me everything that you did to him. Yeah. Um, and so they almost, it's, it's kind of, I don't know, there's a part of me that makes it feel like they're almost indicating that maybe he committed suicide. Oh, yeah, that'd be an interesting theory. Yeah, I mean, because we know that he's the oldest of the the uh, Todoroki brothers, or I guess family members. He had to have been an Inji's first child. So maybe yeah. this was Inji's first child who would have probably have received the most amount of pressure to be better than him. And if he wasn't or couldn't be or whatever, I could see that. I mean, we saw what he did to his own wife, let alone what his first son could have been like. Yeah. But we get back into this conversation where they explain that it happened, whatever happened, because they don't mention it, uh, whatever happened was very, very soon after the incident with Ray, where she burns Shoto. Uh, and they, they talk about how in Natsu's mind, dad or Enji was the one that killed Toya. So that's why I'm saying that he's dead. I mean, it sounds like he, he has died. It's not like he's just run off or something and never coming back. Uh, but Endeavor kind of interrupts them and is like, all right, it's time to take you guys back to school. Like, this conversation's cut short very quickly. Yeah, and they get escorted out, and Fuyumi's giving out thanks. Bakugo's making demands on the tofu recipe. I have in my notes, it's different in the manga, so I, I don't know if I'm misremembering or mistyped uh, how it was presented in the anime, but I have in my notes that Fuyumi pulls Midoriya aside and says, thank you for being Shoto's friends. And then I just have Deku responding with you too, and me saying it's, it's like the Brian <laughs> Regan joke all over again. Um, but in the manga, he just says, the pleasure is all mine. Um, so that's a radically different way of presenting things. There are some, there are some, differences between the manga and the anime in this episode in particular too but next thing that we see is kind of this sharp cut to what appears to be the painted lines on the asphalt attacking natsu 
And then we cut back to this, initially at least, a very funny scene in a car. Oh, yeah, it's <laughs> awesome. Like, Endeavor's talking about how he's going to be training the guys on the weekends. Like, hey, we know we're going to take you back to school, but on the weekends, I'm going to be training you. I've got to get you trained up faster than ever. And Baka goes like, hey, number one hero, how about you get a bigger car as they're all stuffed into the back? And this random driver that has a huge attitude, he's awesome because he's like, oh, well, what, what free rides for Mr. High Schooler aren't good enough? And then he, he turns to Endeavor and he's like, since when do you bring along brats like this? And Endeavor's like, I guess since I'm number one. <laughs> yeah. And it's in the manga, there's this funny, they, there's a moment in the anime where the chauffeur tells Bakugo that he needs to pull his head back inside of the car. In the manga, though, there's like an asterisk up under one of these panels, and it says good girls and boys don't stick their heads out windows just because they need personal space. So they give this reason as why Bakugo's head is hanging out. It's because he feels cramped. <laughs> so he sticks his head out of the car like a dog just to feel like he's got some space. And he gets shouted down by this equally vocal chauffeur. And I mean shouted down. He does not retaliate verbally to this chauffeur guy. Um and then there's this really interesting quirk of the show for in the anime where he says the word zounds over and over again. I mean, in the manga, it's pa. It's just a PA with a bunch of H's, just like this weird automatopoeia. But zounds is actually like a real word, um, which expresses like surprise. Um, it's almost like an interjection. And I did an etymology on it just for fun because, you know, might be fun to learn something new. And it is the the etymology is that it comes from this kind of almost like a compound word for God's wounds, almost like a that exclamation uh, sounds. So it seems like this silly word that is nothing as a nothing word, but it actually is a real word. So now you look now, you know, that is funny because I think that even the kids are like, what is he saying? Yeah. Yeah, they're like, what is that? What is that word? I love to um, think I didn't know what sounds was beforehand. I didn't either. I just assumed he was being goofy. Um, the fact that you looked it up is astounding to me. <laughs> I was just curious. <laughs> so I love the fact that like this, this I'm going to call it the dynamic duo, like this chauffeur and Endeavor or NG, they have to have been friends for a really long time. This reminds me of like Batman and Alfred. You know what I mean? Yeah, just because of what the chauffeur can get away with asking and the way that he phrases things it, to Endeavor. Yeah, like they're just buddies. Like they have to just be buddies. Like this guy has had to have known NG for like ever. Like they go way back. That that ashtray in Ng's office is totally for Mister Zounds. What's great is that in in every uh, manga panel that the chauffeur is in, his mouth is just wide open. Oh, really? <laughs> like he's he's got the same exact um, like facial expression in literally every panel that he's in, and it's hilarious. That's awesome. He apparently is well equipped because there's like this lever in the car that he uses to pull, and it like shoots the kids' costumes out, which I thought was really neat. So. He, he's yeah, like, I want to talk about that. In a yeah, second. yeah, we absolutely have to. But before we get there, um, as they're driving out of nowhere, the villain shows up and he is got Natsu all wrapped up and he is like absolutely threatening Endeavor. Like, you know, get out here. We got to talk. And, and, and so the whole car stops. Endeavor gets out and immediately. I mean, they even draw him like red, like his skin is red. He's so angry. His flames are huge. And this villain is like, hey, do you, you know, remember me? And Endeavor's like, yeah, several years ago, I stopped you from wreaking some havoc. And, and before he can say his name, uh, the villain cuts him off. And this is where I had this huge confusion. I watched this episode twice, and I still did not pick up this villain's name. And I messaged Adkins, and I was like, hey, I named the villain. We should talk about that. And he's like, what do you mean? The villain had a name. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, his name is given clearly as ending. Um, but what was it that you came up with? Oh, Mr. Mummy. And his quirk was going to be named Under Wraps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just because he had mummy-like wraps, yeah. even though we've seen a villain already that had mummy-like I, wraps. I probably called him Mr. Mummy in my notes, too. <laughs> you might have. You might have. So this villain has this, I'm going to say, obsession with Endeavor. He admires him, he says. And, I mean, he's talking about how, like, there he wants Endeavor to end his life. And he says, if you don't end my life, I'm going to kill Natsu. I have nothing keeping me back. He's like, I, I don't know if I'm even alive or dead. And he says, last time around, you didn't take care of the job. He says, heroes don't kill, even when things get crazy. And Endeavor is like standing there just fuming. And he tells him, you know, I, I will kill Natsu if you do not kill me. That is the ultimatum, your only option. And then Bakugo literally blows this car in two. And to, to, instead of just opening the door, he just blows the car in two, gets out, and then uh, Midoriya gets out, and Todoroki gets out, and they all are like, okay, we are going to save Natsu. No matter what, we're going to protect him. And this is when they're pulling off some pretty sweet moves, and, and the driver pulls this lever, and like their costumes come shooting out of briefcases from the back. So this, I feel like they were prepared. They were ready. Yeah, I want to go over a little bit of what Ending says, because I took a couple of extra notes based on, on what he was saying to Endeavor. One of the things that he says is, you have to understand that you had so many things I would never get even in a million years, which speaks to Endeavor's privilege. And then he says, I admired you. I have nothing to protect. So I'm willing to kill this guy. And what he's communicating to Endeavor is, you do have something to protect, which is a direct, like, it is an aggressive assertion to Endeavor that he has family. Yeah. Um, and the way that he said that, the time that he said that, um, I think is extremely poignant in this particular moment. Uh, I think that, again, it, it does a whole lot for the context is obviously Endeavor knows these things, but to have somebody verbalize them is really aggressive writing. Basically, it's just like, hey, don't miss this thing. Here's the bat and I'm going to whack you with it, you know, um, but I really liked it. And so he's using Natsuo to kind of try to blackmail almost. Uh, endeavor or at least get him angry enough to uh, to be ready to kill. And uh, like you said, the boys bust out of the car. I think they bust out because the car had been wrapped up. Um, this guy's quirk is that he can manipulate the white lines on roads. Oh, okay. Um, I didn't pick up on the fact that the car had been like wrapped up, I guess. Yeah, he had basically like put a bunch of the road stripings around it. So I, I assume that they couldn't open the door, so they had to burst out. But you say that he pulls this, the chauffeur pulls a lever and the the cases come flying out and Midoriya dispenses with them. How, and I don't know that I've ever noticed this before. How in the world does Bakugo's gauntlets fit inside of them flat briefcases? You know, I hadn't considered it until just now. Me neither. Until today, I was rewatching the episodes and I was like, huh, the implication is that that gauntlet came out of that little box right there. And I'm not so sure I buy maybe that. Maybe they're like <laughs> those blow up floaties. You know, I like, don't buy that maybe either. Maybe they flatten somehow, and like, there's like infrastructure on the inside that, when he equips it, is like blowing them up so that way, because they've got to be hollow to store his sweat, right? Yeah, I don't know. I I don't. I think that it's it's not something that I'm like. This show sucks because they try to tell me that these big gloves don't fit or fit into a briefcase. That's not what I'm saying. It was just a weird thing that no, I no, that is today. weird that I'd never considered, and I'm surprised that we hadn't picked up on that before. <laughs> Um, but yeah, the, the three boys are all in various states of, of redress, getting into their, 
their uniforms. They really basically grab their tools um, and don't fully swap costumes or anything. And uh, ending sends a bunch of those white lines at them and they're somewhat successfully evaded. Some of them get caught in them and others just blow them away. Um, Deku uses air force. Todoroki uses his fire. Eventually Bakugo makes his way out of them as well. And ending is frustrated by the presence of these work study kids who are going to ruin his death. Uh, and Endeavor thinks that he sees this opening as ending kind of starts backing away. Um, but ending used Natsuo as a very effective shield and Todoroki launches this other attack as he's kind of almost speaking aloud the steps that Endeavor had encouraged them to take of storing and aiming and releasing. Um, and it's, it's really great. This really puts ending in this, in a very precarious position. And he says that, well, if Endeavor's not going to go ahead and hurry up and kill me, then I'm just going to start killing other people. Um, and so he sends lines on the road after manned vehicles. And it looks kind of like he dangles Natsu in front of like a train yeah, or some such. Yeah, it seems like. Uh, and all the guys have to respond uh, to the new perils on the on the scene. Well, and when, when he flashes Natsuo in front of Endeavor, Endeavor totally chokes up. Like he's just standing there. He actually completely stops. He's no longer going after this villain. And so Natsuo is being held in front of this train. And it's like, it's about to hit when Bakugo is able to focus all of his power, get a big blast of energy. He saves him. And we transition over to Midoriya, who is like, I'm not going to let anybody get hurt. And he focuses in on his new powers, and he's able to use those black tendrils to grab all of the cars and like slowly set them down. So the cars are now good, and Shoto is actually able to use his ice and his fire to take out, as I called him in my notes, Mr. Mummy. And so they have basically completely ended the altercation. I mean, the, the villain is like frozen in ice after having had most of these... Uh, his quirk power is basically burned away. I mean, he still has his quirk, but the effects have been burned away by Shoto's uh, flames and, and Natsu has been saved. So the moment that they're down, Endeavor just runs over and grabs Bakugo and Natsuo and he's hugging them and not even saying anything. He's just hugging them. And Bakugo is like very miffed about this. He's like, you smell like old man. And then he even like uses his quirk to kind of go out from Blast under. his way. Yeah. Out. Yeah. Yeah, and, and man, this is, it's such a good scene. I told Adam beforehand that this might be one of my new favorite episodes of the entire series so far, and primarily my like of it is for what's about to unfold right now. Um, it, it's also, I want to talk maybe in a second about how, you know, or maybe let's just do it right now. It's going to be interruptive either way. So we know that this is one week after or like one week into or after whatever, there's a one week time period, maybe between dinner and this, right? Um, or no, not between dinner yeah, no, and this, this but is... between the start of their agency right. or their time at Endeavors and the yeah, dinner. So they started their agency on like, I'm guessing like a Monday or maybe even a Friday. And this is that following Friday. Yeah. So in at the beginning of that week, Deku could just like barely vape out of his knuckles. And then today he deploys Black Whip very successfully. And I just have in my notes that there's no way that he would deploy it with this much risk without a whole lot of confidence. And I don't know when he would have had time to develop that. He wasn't doing it in the field with Endeavor. They weren't given a lot of time to practice. Otherwise, they were told to go and rest. So it felt like a very quick oh, power up. Even better, do you not remember literally two episodes ago when Endeavor was like, hey, forget about that quirk. Right. So yeah, I'm right yeah. there with you. Like It felt kind of a deus ex to me. Um, especially since we didn't see him use that quirk in the last movie, which takes place after all of this. 
Yeah, it's it's strange. I don't I don't particularly mind it. It was just something that I noticed. I think we've talked before about the pacing of power-ups in different anime and Midoriya seems to level up very consistently. Like it's very rare that we go more than a, you know, dozen or two dozen chapters where where he doesn't upgrade something, right. raise his percent or get learn a new move or a new style whatever the case is. So this isn't you know, this is par for the course. And I will say that, um, like, typically speaking, he comes in clutch, right? Like, every time he's fighting a big bat or something's going on, he's kind of able to pull something out of his pocket. So it's not out of character. It just was frustrating that, at least to me, he was literally told not to focus on this one, and this is how he resolved this conflict. Yeah. Not that his um, other quirks I'd... could have fixed the issue, so it had to have been used. Yeah. I do like, though, that he says... He's, I guess, shouting at ending. He says, none of your wishes will come true, which means he's not going to be killed by Endeavor. No more people are going to end up dead. Um, the villain gets nothing. I just like that particular I line. I did like that. Um, but now back to the, the moving moment uh, away from the, my, my one kind of gripe with um, Deku's sudden efficiency with something that you pointed out he wasn't supposed to be using anyway, really. Um, and number two, I, I feel like that timeline was really, really short. But anyway, runs up. Embraces Natsuo and Bagago. Bagago gets out of there. We get the eye shaking uh, from Endeavor again. The pupils vibrating to communicate emotion, which I thought was really good. And uh, Bakugo, as this scene is unfolding, Bakugo is kind of checking down the the scene. So he says, what about White Line Chump? And Todoroki's like, it's secured. And then he's like, damn it, Degu, what about the mob? And then he's like, well, if he meant the people in the cars, then they're fine too. Um, and Bakugo cannot read the room. No. Because then he immediately <laughs> turns to Endeavor. He's like, what was it that you said, Mr. Number One? This winner just wants faster than me. Show me that you can capture a villain. And he's just totally grandstanding, man. But Endeavor says, you know what? You did great. You covered from my mistake as quickly as possible. And this totally flusters Bakugo. Yeah, he's like, crap, man. Like, why are you being all humble now? And I kind of felt bad for Endeavor because not only is Bakugo kind of, you know, giving it to him on this, but so is everybody else. Like, I think the next scene is literally a whole bunch of people in their cars, like honking the horns, like just waiting on, like, why, why are we sitting in traffic? So, you know, yeah. Endeavor's trying to have this moment with Natsuo where he's hugging him and he's, he's about to start talking to him and like literally nobody cares. Uh, but Endeavor does start talking and he, he apologizes to Natsuo and he says, you know what? I was worried that if I rescued you, you might not have anything ever to say to me again. And, uh, you know, he tries to go into it and he says, like, look, it's not that I was ever shunning you. It's just I, I kind of ran away and I abandoned you guys and I left you with a lot of responsibility. And he says, you know, I might as well have killed Toya, too. And so there's like all this like, I mean, endeavors just kind of dumping like everything on Natsuo all at once. And, and I feel bad for Natsuo because he's like, look, I get it. You, you're trying to change and you want my forgiveness. But like, why should I have to be any different? Everyone else is moving on. And, and you know, Fuyumi is wanting to get back together with the family and Shoto is forgiving mom. But like, why do I have to change? You, you know, I don't forgive you. I'm not as kind as Shoto is. I, you're never going to get that forgiveness from me. Yeah, I liked the way that I think that the manga does a better job of communicating what Endeavor says right at the beginning of this. Because uh, in the anime, he says, I'm sorry for a second it crossed my mind that if I rescued you, you might never have anything to say to me ever again. And I was like, why? You would be his hero. Well, my assumption um, was that it but, was because, like, if he did rescue him, I could see Natsuo being like, oh, well, he did that as a way to try to get to me. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's essentially what he communicates in the, in the manga is he says, listen, 
you know, for for a moment, I thought that, uh, you know, if I saved you, then going forward, you might feel like you couldn't stand up to me, that you couldn't look at somebody who literally saved your life and tell them how you really oh, felt. I like that so better. He, That's, yeah, that yeah, like better. That made way more sense. And this is very public. Like you said, there are onlookers and bystanders and angry motorists, and Natsuo is getting more and more emotional as this goes on. And Again, he's frustrated saying, well, you know, if you weren't shunning us, then what were you doing? That's what Toya said that you were doing. He says, the day I'll forgive you will never come because I'm not like Shoto. But then Endeavor says, I don't know that that's true because you still keep showing up for Fuyumi's sake and for Rei's sake. So Fuyumi has this intense longing for the family to get back together because I ruined things. Aren't you making an effort so that she won't lose faith that we can go back, that we can start over? So he says, you're you're kind too. And, he, and then he says this, it's okay if you don't forgive me because I don't want forgiveness. I want to atone. And I thought that that was a very powerful statement on his, uh, on his behalf that he powerfully lives into at the end of this episode. Yeah, I absolutely agree. That was a, an awesome statement. And, and, you know, you talk about it being public. I just wonder like, can you imagine the Esquire titles for like this scene that goes down? Cause I imagine there've got to be all of those like fake newspapers basically. Where they had to have had something crazy written for this, um, but Endeavor killed who? Exactly. Who is Toya? Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. The hidden Todoroki past, like just crazy stuff. That's right. Yeah, that's <laughs> Your right. number one hero? That's question great. mark? Question mark? Question mark? <laughs> <laughs> the villain starts to like kind of break down here because he's he's talking about how he like wants him to stop. He doesn't want to see this side of Endeavor. He wants to see that side of Endeavor that is the number one hero, that intimidating, flaming, crazy looking kind of just scary hero almost he wants endeavor to kill him and and he's not gonna have that happen and uh this is also where i have in my notes i think i want to say there's more honking here like in the background that i just feel bad because endeavor is just trying to get out his emotions and people don't care uh but we transition from this to the cops talking to endeavor and explaining that uh, this villain's quirk was enhanced by trigger and he's kind of like that stuff you know and the officer's like well you know for the most part it's cleaned up but there's still some of it out there and and uh, we get a quick scene of Natsuo and uh, talking to Bakugo and, and uh, Inde- not Endeavor, but oh, yes. Shoto and, and Midoriya. And he's like, so, uh, you know, you really saved my life back there. Do you, do you have a name? And Bakugo is like, no, I don't have a name. And Midoriya gets excited. He's like, what do you mean? Like, don't, have, you, have you not chosen one yet? And he's like, oh, I have, but I'm not telling you. There's someone else I want to tell first. So I'm curious, who do you think Bakugo wants to tell first? Best genist. Oh, yeah, that's a really, yeah, you know, I hadn't considered that, but I think you're right, because he was even thinking about his hero name uh, and Best Genus a couple episodes ago, wasn't he? When we find out that Best Genus yeah. is missing and maybe in Hawk's duffel bag. Yeah, right. I think I did look this up. I didn't look up what his name is, um, what it ends up being, but I did look up what chapter number in the manga that he finally reveals his name. So right now we're in chapter 252. He doesn't reveal his name until chapter 293. Oh, wow. So we probably won't even get it this season. Maybe not even next season. Now, we got a little bit of a teaser for it here, but we will not see it for quite some time still. Well, this is the part where uh, Endeavor is thinking to himself, like, wow, Hawks really has a good eye. He he definitely chose right by these kids. And we transition over to Hawks, who is like, hmm, somebody's talking about me. Because <laughs> he sneezes. Yeah, I, I think we missed a moment to talk about that that silly idea in an episode not too long ago where Endeavor was talking about Todoroki and then we get a quick cut and Todoroki does this little sneeze. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think that was what was meant okay. by that transition. I didn't is that he it was that. Yeah. 
I think that was what, what was implied in that transition was that kind of superstition that when somebody talks about you, that's when you sneeze. Hawks like explicitly verbalizes it here. That's funny. I did not even catch that. Uh, well, then we get a quick scene of basically Midoriya, who is like, hey, you know, Endeavor took us back to school, and I didn't find out what happened after this, but Shoto told me later, which felt totally unnecessary. I don't know why they didn't just transition back to Inji and Natsuo yeah, right. back at the house of Fuyumi, and he's like, hey, so uh, Natsuo got you know picked up by a villain. Like, almost, I don't want to say poking fun at him, but, you know, there was kind of a moment where Fuyumi was like, what? What happened? What do you mean? Like, Absolutely freaking out. And uh, Endeavor is just like, hey, so uh, this whole thing you're doing, it's amazing. Like, I'm really happy that you're trying to get the family back together. And I'm really sorry that we put all that work on you. That's not right of us. We, we've kind of neglected our duties here. And he says, I'm sorry for the suddenness, but I need you to go ahead and start packing to move. I'm going to build a house for, for all of you, something that's way more accessible for all of you. One where Ray can return and be there, and I won't be there. You know, someplace that you all can be a family. And, I mean, it's it's kind of interesting, because, like, Natsuo seems really saddened by this, and so does Fuyumi. I mean, I feel like Endeavor is almost missing the picture here. Like, they don't want to be a family without him, but he's so caught up in that dream of his where they're together and he's not there. It's like he doesn't feel like he's deserving of a family. And I, I hope and I can't wait to get to a point where Endeavor is and he sees himself as part of the family because I think that's coming at some point in time. So I read this totally really? differently than you Okay, did. that's interesting. Yeah. So he definitely, he's asked by Fuyumi, well, what about you? If Fuyumi and Ray and Natsuo presumably are going to be living in this house, she says, what about you? And he goes through this dream sequence for the third time and he says, I'm never at this dinner table. So if I truly care about them, and then we cut back to real time where he says, I'm going to remain here. And this is part of his kind of atonement. I think that at least for right now, he thinks that what is best for the family as far as getting folks to come back together, then he needs to be apart from them for at least for the time being. I don't know that it's a permanent situation, but I think he says they will more successfully come together with, with, without me being right in the middle of things right now. Um, so this is where I think his atonement um, is is enacted and realized. I think that this also goes kind of back to part of that definition of a hero of self-sacrifice. He is being heroic in this, in a, in a sense here, where he's like, you know, if, if, if the thing that makes my family happy is me not being there, at least again for a time, I don't think that he's thinking this is permanent, uh, then, then I, will, I will take that um, seriously, uh, and, and do the thing that needs to be done, even though it is painful. I think that it's, he thinks that it's the, the first step, not the, not the final solution, but the first step towards them come coming back together as a family. That's how I read that. Yeah, anyway. I can definitely see that too. Um, for sure. Like I, there's definitely that part of me that thinks that Endeavor realizes that if he tried to force this to happen in, in the current situation and him be involved, it would never happen at all. Like it just would fall apart again. So I think he's aware that he can't be part of this right now. At least not a hundred percent. He needs to be able to provide the accessibility, as he says, to his family, but he doesn't necessarily need to be there for it at the moment. Right. And he'll still be around, but I think that he realizes that their best chance at, at long-term success is for him not to be in the middle of things right from the outset. Right when Ray gets out, Natsuo, Natsuo clearly has some things that he still needs to work through. 
I mean, uh, so far, Fuyumi's the only one that even calls him dad ever. Oh, that's true. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of things that he, I think he realizes that there's a lot of healing that could take place and much more quickly if the source for the pain itself was not always in that picture. Um, so I think that that's where he is. And again, I think first step, not final solution here for, from Endeavor's point of view, at least. I agree. I agree. And then we get, uh, there's a little bit after, uh, you know, a preview for what comes in the following episode. We get Midoriya's voiceover saying that there's a third term that's about to begin. And we get a scene where Aizawa and President Mike go to see Kurogiri in prison at Tartarus. And you know, I kind of forgot this... that Kurogiri had been in prison. For some reason, I thought he got away. And I, I realize got, now it... that he didn't. Yeah, it was strange because it was back when we first got introduced to Gigantomachia that Gran Torino and others managed to capture Kirogiri, but not Gigantomachia. But did um, they, I don't feel like they showed us like them actually capturing Kirogiri, did they? It was just I implied? Think, I think they did, or there was a scene where they were standing over uh, like an unconscious Kirogiri. I'm going to have to go back and watch. Yeah, but um, there's this line that says something about a tragic truth. And I've got suspicions. Okay. Are you ready for this? Because I, I teased yeah. you about this at the beginning of the episode, thinking maybe he thinks what I think, but I don't think that you have any clue what I don't what, what I'm gonna say. No, I like I didn't even put any thought into this. I just assumed Aizawa and President Mike are going to be doing hero duty where they investigate things. So I have no idea what you're about to tell me. I think and I could be wrong. But this is what I think, based on the presentation of these couple of scenes in that weird line about tragic truth and there being a shot where not only is it present Mike and Aizawa specifically who are sitting across from Kirogiri, but that present Mike looks upset like he's got tears in his eyes. I think Kirogiri might be somehow Shirakumo. What? Yep. No. What? How? That's my wild harebrained theory. What? No. It's it's the it's those three rooftop sitters, and that's why Aizawa and Present Mike are there. That's that would explain <sighs> possibly why Present Mike is upset. Is that somehow? I don't know if they knew this all along or if it comes out. I think that there's a good chance. I don't know. I, I think that he could be Shirakumo. That that's would what be I'm, like a huge. That would be a huge quirk change. I don't even like. And I thought Shirokuma was dead. I mean, I guess, to be fair, where we left off in Vigilantes was kind of right after all of that. We never really got the full, like, what happened to Shirokuma. We just assumed he died, right? I'm just connecting dots. I've got those dots. I drew a line. Maybe they aren't all connected, oh, but that's what I was like. That's I wonder if that's Shirokuma. That's wild. I mean, maybe. And they. We know that they're able to, like, manipulate bodies and stuff. And Shirokuma had a head that kind of moved like Kirogiri's did. Yeah, I mean, he was kind of cloudy, I guess. Oh, that would be nuts. I could be wrong, but that was my initial thought when it was the tragic truth with those two sitting across from a dude who, like, has a, some physical similarities to Loud Cloud that I was like, oh, that would be a wild twist. Uh, I mean, maybe it would be wild. I can't, like, it, I, I've the never only thing that's really working together. against the theory, really, is that it would be so incredibly dependent upon you having read Vigilantes. And maybe that's the thing that is just like, that's a dumb theory because it depends upon you having read Vigilantes. To but maybe that fair, though, know. the last time we saw President Mike talking to Aizawa, he brought up Shirokumo. Oh, that's true. And and I think I pointed out one time on Twitter that there is a like a still yeah, image of Shirokumo in one of the credits. Yeah. yeah, there totally is. So but I don't 
Man, that's a leap. I don't even know how you made that leap. That's to me, that's crazy. And I come up with the craziest stuff, I feel like. But but man, I like it. That that would be nuts. I would It was I'm, those two teachers, those specifically those two teachers paired with tragic truth. That was the thing, and I was like, why in the world are they pulling these teachers out of the classroom? <sighs> third third term just began. Why does it have to be these two? Why isn't it Sukauchi and Gran Torino doing so? I think that they pulled those two in because of this tragic truth reveal. And the only thing I could think would be a tragic truth that, re- that involves those two is that Shirakumo, Shirakumo isn't dead. It's that guy do you th- somehow. Do you think they wouldn't bring Midnight in on that? Because she was kind of friends with Shirakumo. I mean, there's been no hint to that in the anime, but we know that from Vigilantes. Yeah, I don't know. Now, that would depend a lot on having read Vigilantes, whereas, they, like you said, they have teased Shirakumo a little bit between these two. I mean, in recently, in the last, in the last four, three or episodes four episodes or something. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so crazy Dang. hairbrain theory. We haven't had one of those in a while. We haven't. No, but you're right. That's why I was like, dude, that would be bonkers. That but would be it was bonkers. the only thing I could come up with that would make, I mean, unless it's like something that was just, you know, whatever. It's just a wild twist that is only relevant to, you know, future details or whatever. But I don't know. That's, what, that's the vibe that I got. And I was ex- excitedly typing stuff as I was thinking about how this could be true. Oh, man, I don't even know how to feel about that. I, like, I don't want to say I want it to be true because I don't know. I don't. Mm, I can't wait for this Saturday. We'll find out. We're. Go- I know. I'm like. I <laughs> finally have the opportunity to actually watch the episode on the day it comes out this weekend, and I am going to. I don't. I. I'm. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe I'll just have egg all over my face next episode of the Almighty Podcast. <laughs> People in the Discord are going to be like this fool. Yeah, <laughs> or this genius. I'm gonna be on one end of that spectrum. There's no uh, but, middle grounding it by saying that Kirogiri is Shirakumo. <laughs> what's gonna kill me too is like with the moment this episode drops. Well, no, not necessarily. Okay, so so we will be able to watch that episode this coming Saturday. This episode, our podcast episode, drops the following Monday, so yeah. we can see it and not be spoiled. I was gonna say it would frustrate me. To no living in to see all of those colored out black lines where all of our buddies are talking about whether or not you're right or wrong. <laughs> yeah, the spoiler tags in the Discord. Oh, that would have killed me. Um, yeah, yeah. But speaking of all of our friends of the podcast, uh, we've had a huge outturn for the uh, My Hero Academia trading card giveaway, or I guess the collectible card game for the Universa series giveaway. So we appreciate everybody that's participated. It's been an absolute blast. I'm just stoked that we're even able to do this for anyone. Um, however, I will be drawing that name uh, Sunday night. We're releasing this episode on the 9th, so Sunday night I'll pull the name. I'm going to be adding an extra little line. Uh, So congratulations to the winner, whoever they may be. I will follow up with their name very soon. Yep, right after a transition, after we say, hey, thanks for listening, because we are always grateful that we have anybody that pays attention to the nonsense that emits from our mouths week to week, or every other week. Um, we're grateful for those of you who are following us on Twitter and having spoilerific conversations in our Discord, but being polite about it using the spoiler tags uh, and leaving us iTunes reviews, even the uh, even the, the Katsuki guy. Yeah, like thanks yeah. for listening. If you ever pick yeah. us back up and you hear this, thanks for listening. It's just the fact that someone gave us the time. That's so cool. That's right. We we value we value all of it. We we love you guys. This giveaway is just a small token of our appreciation too. We wanted to do something for you. This was an easy thing for us to do and we're all too happy to do it, but that is going to wrap it up for this episode. So we do appreciate uh, all of you listening. Jump into the discord, find us on Twitter, yada, yada. You guys know the spiel this time. Have a good week. See you guys. 
congratulations to George Van Duzer for winning the My Hero Academia Universes trading card game deck sets. We had a blast being able to give something away like this, and we cannot wait to do it again in the future. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode, and we look forward to seeing you here in a few weeks. Almighty Podcast is brought to you by the Back Patio Network. You can follow us on Twitter at AlmightyPod or follow at BackPatioNet for all network news. If you enjoyed what you heard, go check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash BackPatioNetwork. You can help support the network, get access to early episodes, and lots of other great stuff. If you want to get to know us, come hang out in our Discord channel. We have lots of fun and would love to have you in there. My name is Adam, and you can follow me on Twitter at TheRealSimso, S-I-M-S-O. 